Good to see you, Mission Vineyard. Actually, I can't see you at all. We're all on video. This is the silliest thing, isn't it? That we have been um, inundated, the whole world inundated by a virus that's taking over the world. I say silly because I don't know any other word to describe. Uh, I'm just so thankful that you all are taking measures like we are today to be inside and and not uh, be out spreading the virus. We don't know how long this is going to be. We're hearing mixed messages. It's probably not adding to your security level. We really don't know the answer. And so what do we do? Here we are on a Sunday and uh, I'm before you. And my hope today is that you'd be able to join us all together as a church online. Maybe you're in a, a Facebook watch group. Maybe you're at missionvineyard.church.onlinechurch. Uh, either way, my hope is that you'll be able to come together. We'll be able to look at the scriptures together as the church has done for thousands of years. And we will be able to hear the Lord, hear his word, gain insight, and be able to live into our existence with more life and freedom than we could before. Now, ironically, the scripture that we're going to be engaging today has nothing to do with life and freedom. In fact, it's the beginning, it's the introduction to how Jesus dies and how the disciples begin to be so afraid for their own lives. Now, what I realize as I'm going through the scriptures is that there is some insight that I'd love for you to have from these scriptures, but they're not life-giving on their own. In fact, they're examples of some really poor living, poor living in response to what I recognize as grief. You see, the disciples have gone with Jesus into their normal hangout. It's the normal place where they hang out. In fact, that's the reason why Judas knew where to find them. And in that space, in their normal hangout, their rabbi, their best friend, the one that they've been following for three years that's completely transformed their lives, has been arrested condemned to death, and taken away from them. There's grief there. And the disciples, the ones that are accentuated in the scriptures that we'll see today, are not handling grief well at all. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going through stages of grief. If you've ever heard that terminology before, um, that's real. We go through stages of grief, and I'm going to introduce you to those today. My hope is that as you're seeing the stages of grief, as you're being introduced to how the disciples are responding, that you'll be able to see maybe a better way and a freedom that Jesus invites us to in the midst of grief. So here it is, folks. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember that in the midst of crisis, Jesus invites us to grieve well. Following Jesus means grieving well in the midst of crisis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being able to read the words of your apostles, the ones that were with you. It's so, it's so wonderful, Lord, to just to hear how you lived with them, to see how they lived with you. God, would you breathe through your word today to us so that we would be set free to grieve well in the midst of this crisis? Would you set us free, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today we are in John chapter 18, and uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It should be on the screen for you as well, but please get your Bibles, dig in, okay? John chapter 18. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. 
Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. So Jesus is going back to a place where he had often gone with his disciples. He's going to a place that he knows about, that he feels comfortable. It's a place where all the disciples would feel comfortable, to be honest. Well, uh, my heart is that you'll see in, in what's going on here that Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for grief in the kindest way he can. He's been telling them what's going to happen. He's been telling them that he's going to be turned over to be crucified. But here it is. The leading priests and the Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. And now with blazing torches and lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the Olive Grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. He actually stepped out to the ones that were going to arrest him. He knew what he had to accept in that time. So he said to them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said, I am he. And Judas was standing with them. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked one more time, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he said, I told you that I am he. And since I'm the one you want, let the others go. If you could for a moment, when Jesus says, I am he, he's, I want you to see something that he's doing. This is the same language that God used with Moses at the burning bush. I am that I am. Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. Jesus uses the same kind of language here. When he, uh, God is journeying with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, in the cool of the day, in the garden, Jesus is doing something very similar here. As, as John writes this, or the people of John, John's followers, are writing this, they know very well that Jesus is acting just like God has acted in the Old Testament before, being with his people intimately in places of intimacy. I, I love, in some ways, that we don't... I, I, this emergency is, is horrible on its own, but we are all confined to our homes. Now, one thing that we've been talking about this week in our small groups is how to help the homeless. Uh, they can't be pinned down anywhere. They can't have a home to be comfortable in. But each one of us in the midst of this virus is at least getting to stay at home. Hopefully, home is a comfortable place for you. I know for some uh, children, it's not. They're in places of abuse or uh, of challenge. But... My hope is that if home is a comfortable place for you, that you'll be able to meet with God as God met with Adam and Eve in the garden, as God met with Moses in the desert, and with the flaming bush said, I am that I am. And now as Jesus meets with his disciples in this very comfortable place, my hope is that no matter what crisis is going on, that at least the place that you're coming from would be safe. I love that God gives us safe places to grieve from. Let's continue. Again, Jesus said, I am he, and since I'm the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement that he didn't lose a single one that was given to him. And then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave, 
But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So although we are in a significant place of grief, we're in a safe place to be able to grieve. Peter's first reaction is to hurt somebody else. I was talking just a moment ago about children and, and maybe being in a place of abuse, but um, I was in my small group this past week, and uh, we were online, we were in a Zoom meeting, and we were all getting to chat pretty openly about the forgiveness and the, and the ways of discipleship we need to step into regarding how we're, how we're doing in the midst of this crisis. There is a stage of grief where we lash out at others, and we have all been doing it with our kids, with our spouses, with our friends. It seems like in the midst of grief, uh, we don't have the capacity to love very much. And Peter here, he's lashing out. And, P and Jesus says, listen, you don't have to do this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to drink the cup that I was called to drink. I'm going to live through what I was called to live through. It's going to be okay. You can accept this as part of your grief. It's going to be okay. You can accept this as part of your grief. You don't have to lash out. This is the invitation of what it means to follow Jesus, that we can be with him in a safe place, that we can watch what's happening and be uncomfortable with it, but we don't have to lash out at others because Jesus has it covered. He's going to do what he needs to do in order to be successful at what it needs to do. Now, Jesus may be asking us to be obedient, to surrender in some ways in order to follow him, to be with him, and those are challenging things. But he gives himself in those times so that we don't have to lash out in others. Well, in verse 12, the soldiers, the commanding officer and the temple guards arrested Jesus. They tied him up and they took him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was the one who told the other Jewish leaders it's better that the man should die for the people. So they're not at Caiaphas' house and they're not at the temple. It's Passover time. They don't want any uncleanness going on. The Jews know that it's not right to arrest Jesus. They're, they're really involved in criminal action. They're trying to justify it morally, but they know it's not right. And so they're not at Caiaphas' house. They're at Annas' house to protect everybody's cleanliness during the Passover feast. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another disciple, and the other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, and so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus, and Peter had to stay outside the gate. And then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of the man's disciples, are you? Well, we see another step of grief here that's not very healthy. And Peter lies. He says, no, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. And inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers, what, each, what he'd been teaching them. And Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I've preached regularly at the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I've not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. He said, is that the way you answer the high priest? And Jesus said, if anything was wrong, you must prove it. I'm speaking the truth. Why are you beating me? 
And then they sent Jesus to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing by the warm fire, warming himself. They asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it again, saying, no, I'm not. He lied. He didn't stand up for his friend. One of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I hear you? I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus. And Peter denied it. And immediately a rooster crowed. So one after the other places where Peter's being accused for being associated with Jesus. And then finally being accused to be as that man that hurt his friend, the slave's friend, another, another slave relative. And he denies it. He can't live in the truth. He doesn't have the capacity to name the things that he's done. And a rooster crowed as part of the prophecy that Jesus gave Peter himself. He said, listen, this is what's going to go on in your life. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And Peter, Peter never expected it because he didn't know what was going to happen in his life in the midst of grief. It's just like us. None of us expect to be able to, to, to be behaving like we are in the midst of this crisis because none of us realize that we're all in stages of grief. We're all grieving the loss of our normal daily life. We're grieving the loss of friendships that we used to get together with. We're grieving the loss of our kids being able to connect with one another. We're grieving the loss of going to the store and having normally things there and not having to be in line and not having to wear masks. We're grieving the loss of our comfort. We're grieving the loss of so many things. And if we realize that we are grieving, then we'll realize that our behavior will lean into stages of grief as well. What would it look like if we accepted that each one of us is grieving? Well, most of us don't give ourselves the time or energy to do that. In the freedom that Jesus gives us, could we be able to give ourselves room to grieve? We don't do this very well in the Western world at all. Back in the day, women would wear black veils and men would wear black armbands, and that would be the sign that they were in a stage of grief. What if we looked at one another, or as we called each other on the phone, what if we treated one another in ways that we called each other out and said, I'm giving you space to grieve. I expect that your behavior will be outside of the societal norms. I give you the grace and space to grieve. Now, we only have that capacity if Jesus gives, that, gives us that capacity because each one of us is in a stage of grief. The capacity to love beyond our own natural capacity can only come from one source, and that's God. So I want to lead us through a time right now, actually. The story continues that Jesus is tried before Pilate, and then finally Pilate fi- finds him innocent, But those that had accused him find him guilty, that he's king of the Jews. And Jesus says, you know, my kingdom doesn't come from this world. Well, when Jesus says my kingdom doesn't come from this world, it doesn't mean that his kingdom has nothing to do with this world. It means that the source for his life, the source for his way, the source for everything that he's calling us to doesn't come from this world. It is very much for this world. And for our times of grief, but it's not from this world. So I want to lead you and lead me 
if we can, to go into a space where we say, come Holy Spirit, that's our simple liturgy at Mission Vineyard, come Holy Spirit, and if we accept simply and honestly that we are grieving the loss of our normal daily lives, we say, come Holy Spirit, I give to you my grief, I am grieving. And just like that, other scriptures from what Jesus has said comes to mind. Scriptures like, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus, by following Jesus, he gives us space to grieve. Come, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my grief. And you could just start telling Jesus what you've lost. Jesus, I've lost the ability to go to the grocery store without a mask. Jesus, I've lost my sense of safety. For those who are older, you may be saying, Jesus, I'm afraid, I'm grieving that if I go outside, I could get a deadly disease that could end my life in a very, very bad way. Jesus, I grieve that I can't see my friends anymore. Whatever else it is, just take take a moment and just give your grief to Jesus. Well, as we give our grief to Jesus, I want to read something from a book called Good Grief by Granger E. Westberg. This is the confidence that we have as people of faith. Those who follow Jesus through grief get to live out what he says here. He says, at a time of great loss, people who have mature faith give evidence of an uncommon relationship with God, and they demonstrate an uncommon inner sense of strength and poise that grows out of their confidence that such a relationship with God can never be taken away from them. With such a basic philosophy, they can face any earthly loss with the knowledge that they still have not lost everything. They can still have God on whom they rely. I have come to see that this way of looking at life makes an amazing difference in the quality of the grief experience. It actually can become good grief. It's not right that people should try to carry grief work alone. People through the centuries have found new and unexpected strength in the words, I am with you always. I am with you always, Jesus said. So we say, grieve. Mission Vineyard Church and those watching, I encourage you, grieve. Not as those who have no hope but as those who have hope in Jesus. Grieve. When you have something worth grieving about, grieve. Grieve in the freedom that we grieve and yet we have hope. For those of you who have not accepted Jesus and so you don't have this hope, I want to invite you to receive him right now. This is the time. I don't know if there'll ever be a better time, but this is the time in the midst of this crisis where you know you need a different kind of capacity to grieve well and to live out this life loving one another instead of attacking one another, living truthfully instead of lying in order to get through your day, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, 
I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I now receive that forgiveness. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can grieve freely and openly with hope. Guide me, Lord Jesus, through my grief and through this time of epidemic and pandemic. We look for your hope. We give our lives to you. We surrender everything to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've prayed that prayer with me, whether it's the first time or it's been a long time, or you just needed to pray it again because you didn't realize you were grieving and you needed a strength to grieve. We're going to continue with these sermons, midweek things. This is going to be playing again at 5 o'clock Central Time on missionvineyard.onlinechurch if you want to invite a friend to that. Uh, Worship will be playing again as well. Please continue to connect in our small groups. You can visit smallgroup.missionvineyard.org. And for those who have the means to give through this time, I encourage you to go to giving.missionvineyard.org and give a gift. All of those links are at the top including a connection card. That's our next steps card that I would love for you to connect to. Write down your information, submit a prayer request if you haven't done that in the forum already. We would really love to make sure that if you've done, if you made a a significant decision today that someone was able to follow up with you because it was real and God is real and we want that to continue through the week smallgroups.missionvineyard.org. You can sign up there and a small group leader will get in touch with you so that you can be in a small group on Zoom. Giving.missionvineyard.org as well. If you can contribute, we've got a large fund to be able to help people through financial transition. Mission Vineyard, we're staying connected the best that we can, even though we have to be disconnected uh, by this virus. Please stay connected. I bless you right now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that you would go out thriving through grief, because you have hope that Jesus will give you the strength to grieve and overflow in blessings to other people. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. See you.